So, let's get this rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies rolling. This is Americana, the American way. I am Big John. Find me on Gab, Twitter. <laughs> What's the other? Gab, Twitter, Getter. You can find me on Getter at the real underscore Big John. You can find me on Parlor at the real Big John, all one word. And of course, on Rumble and the Anchor podcasting app, Americana, the American way. This, I'm trying to find some guitar solos to play while you guys. Uh, to entertain you guys while I light a stogie. So let's see what we can get here. The dog already abandoned the room, so... Lincoln Heights, a neighborhood a stone's throw from downtown Los Angeles. Thousands of packages destined for paying customers have been robbed off of Union Pacific freight trains with no law enforcement in sight. Our cameras catch looters and a snuffing it are winter in Ohio and uh, I go from outside being nice and cold to being inside nice and hot and it plays havoc with my sinuses so deal with it um, it's funny there that little clip there uh, in between guitar riffs mentioned that packages are being looted off of Union Pacific rail cars and no police in sight. Uh, that is in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, California, one of the liberal poop holes of America. Uh, I've said many times uh, on these podcasts, you know, when I was a kid growing up in the Midwest in a small town, you can drive a mile or two in any direction from my house and find a farm. Maybe some directions five miles, but whatever. Joyce uh, dreamed of being a small town kid of what it would be like in these big cities. You know, big cities, big, big cities. And, uh, you know, you saw it on TV. You know, I grew up on the... I'm a Generation Xer. I grew up on 
music television when they had music on MTV. And, <laughs> you know, you would see your favorite bands in New York City and Los Angeles. And, man, you always wanted to go down Sunset Strip and go to all the hangouts where the big rock and roll hair bands played. And now, from everything I hear about Los Angeles or San Francisco, another, you know, beautiful historic city, um, you know, always wanted to drive up and down the hills of San Francisco like Bill Cosby, go see Lumbar Street with all the twists and grooves and curves and flowers along the side where they buried the people that died trying to drive down Lumbar Street in San Francisco. They didn't bury the people on the side of the street. That's just Cosby's joke. Um, but it's funny, all these cities that, def that defund the police or uh, where the police are uh, handcuffed and ridiculed by the politicians... Uh, turned to shit. Now, New York City, you know, they've got a mayor that says he's going to be tough on crime, but they have a district attorney who says he's not. Well, what I'm getting, I'm not even getting at that. Uh, well, talk at or talk about couple things. One of my uh, favorite YouTubers, uh, Tim Pool, got swatted a couple weeks ago. Now, if you don't know what that means, that's when someone calls the police and says, there's something uh, going on here. Something where they roll out the SWAT team like there's an active shooter. Uh, it, in the case of Tim Pool's business, uh, they said there was... Uh, the person claimed that they had shot two people and were about to attempt suicide. Now, Tim celebrated the second anniversary of this swatting incident a few days ago, the two-week anniversary. Um, and he's kind of getting on my fucking nerves. He should be mad at the person that did it. And there was a little hint of it, it, well, not a hint. He, he's starting to say stuff like, you know, the police pissed me off. Uh, I'm like, they were doing their jobs. What happened was when the police pulled up, there were two of his employees that happened to be outside the uh, business. And his business is in a very large house, evidently, in uh, rural West Virginia, uh, but it's also a Washington, D.C. suburb, and there are a lot of 
rich, powerful people there in his uh, neighborhood. And I say his neighborhood, it's evidently the kind of place where the houses are uh, hundreds of feet, yards, mile apart sometimes. And uh, so the police come to his house, and this is where he starts to get annoyed at them uh, after, in hindsight, now he's had time to think it over. And they said, even though the employees outside told them there's nothing going on, this is a business, not a home, uh, he, Tim complains that the police even said over their radios that they think this is a swatting incident, not a actual call, but they're going to investigate anyways. And he's upset that in spite of the employees telling him, telling the police, pardon me, that there was nothing going on, that this was not a, a crime scene, that they came, they said they had some right to come in and uh, check the place out. They used a technical term that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Dude, they were doing their job. You know, and it, one of his uh, co-hosts, Ian Crossland, who I often kid around as the star of the show, because I really like Tim Cast IRL, and I like his uh, little daily news op-eds. Um, but they're looking into this, like, did the police really have this uh, right to come in and you know look around the house to be double sure nothing was going wrong. Let me ask you this, Tim Pool or whoever else out there. If the police pulled up on the Tate LaBianca house or the Tate house when the uh, Sharon Tate and Others were being murdered inside by the Manson family. And they said, you know, please see a couple members of the Manson family out in the driveway. Just seemed like normal 60s people out in the driveway in the 1960s, right? And... These members of the Manson family say, oh, no, there's nothing going on here. Uh, must have been a prank call. That's what they called it back in the, the 60s and 70s, a prank call. And the police say, very well, we'll be on our way. Meanwhile, inside, Sharon Tate and her friends are being slaughtered. The police would have caught holy hell for that for just turning and walking away if the police rolled up on Tim Poole's house and the people standing outside were let's say just radical left wing numbskulls who were planted there to be lookouts and say okay now if uh you know, Tim's got some haters. Tim's been protested. 
There are people that have threatened him in the past. He's had people come to his house, uh, knock on his door at strange hours. That's why he got into buying guns and such. So let's say these two people that were outside were uh, part of the uh, group that was inside murdering him and his co-workers. God forbid. We don't want that to happen. He's a nice guy. Uh, you know, we don't want anything bad to happen to him. The police see these two people. They, the people say, nope, this is a business, which it is. Uh, this is not a normal home. There's nobody in there killing anybody. Go on about your, your way, officer. Everything's fine. The policeman says, oh, okay. Uh, clicks his radio on. Calls off the rest of the police officers and says, hey, uh, there were two people in the driveway that said this is a business. There's nothing going on inside. Uh, everybody just go back to your patrols. All's clear. If the And meanwhile, Tim and his friends are in there being killed. The police would catch holy hell for that. I give you case in point. Uh, there was a young lady who went on a cross-country van trip with her boyfriend. The police pull her and the boyfriend over. They interview her and the boyfriend. Uh, they are tricked into thinking that she actually was the one who uh, could have been, should have been arrested because there were scratches on the boyfriend's neck and face where he and her had had a fight. They tell the boyfriend and girlfriend, go your separate ways. You stay at a hotel for the night. You stay in the van for the night. And after you've calmed down, you can go on about your business. The young lady turns up missing. After she's been missing for a while, the boyfriend and his family report her missing. They find her dead, not far from where the police stopped the van. The boyfriend, they find a few weeks later, dead in a swamp. Um, perhaps suicide, we don't know. Uh, there have been a lot of updates about it because the story ran its course. And once the media's done with the ratings, they move on. But what I say here about Mr. Poole is he needs to chill the fuck out with this whole the police didn't have the right. There were two employees that met them in the driveway and said that there was nothing wrong. Dude, they were protecting your life. Now, what brought this up? course I'm watching Tim Pool and his little shit fit over this and I'll continue to watch his podcast and stuff it's not that big a deal to me I'm just expressing an opinion because I've heard him express his on this matter for weeks we have a, an actress I don't know if she's conservative liberal vegan media median meditarian vegetarian whatever the hell uh, named Kristen Bell. Now, I only recognize her picture, and I just call her 
the actress that's been in a bunch of movies that I liked. I didn't even know her name until I saw this story tonight. Evidently, liberals are having a shitty fit with over her uh, because she posed for pictures with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies, which I think is pretty stupid. Uh, but if you don't know who Kristen Bell is, uh, she's Veronica Mars. She voices a character in the movie Frozen. Uh, she's in the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Another movie, When in Rome. A movie called The Lifeguard. Um, my favorite is uh, she's in A Bad Mom's Christmas. Good, freaking hilarious Christmas movie. Bad Mom's Christmas. If you get to watch that. It's kind of a newer rendition of uh, Christmas Vacation, but starring three single moms. Or three moms. I think she's married. Yeah, she is married in the movie. It doesn't matter. Newsmax actress Kristen Bell slammed for taking photos with police. No, I do not allow you to notify me or follow me, Newsmax. So let's see here. Kristen Bell is facing backlash over photos that emerged of her posing with Los Angeles County Sheriff's officers. Now, remember when it was controversial, like, I don't know, a week or two ago uh, in history to get caught posing nude or lewd or doing drugs of some sort for an actor, actor, actress? Now it's controversial to pose for officer uh, pose for pictures with police officers if you're an actor or actress I dare challenge every good conservative God-fearing actor actress to go out there and pose for a picture with the police to piss off liberals please do please do it it'll be freaking hilarious Let's see here. The actress recently visited the Lancaster Sheriff's Station, where she snapped several photos with the officers uh, inside Magic Net, inside the Magic.net reported Wednesday. The pictures were shared by the Sheriff's Department on Instagram with the caption that reads, Today we had the absolute pleasure of meeting at Kristen Bell. Uh, Kristen Annie Bell, actually, at Kristen Annie Bell, who was hands down the kindest human ever. There truly, there truly never is a dull moment at Lancaster. Hashtag LASD, hashtag AV411, hashtag my hero wears a badge at issue is that Bell publicly backed the Blue Lives Matter movement and many see her support of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department as a contradiction 
is a contradiction as it has been accused of glorifying violence and whose members have cost taxpayers tens of millions of dollars in legal payouts, as well as racist behavior, according to attorneys for the county and the Los Angeles Times noted. Now, in a big county like L.A. County, you're going to have a lot of problems. And California is one of the most lawsuit-happy cluster screws in America. So it's not surprising that this sheriff's department has been sued many times. I don't know what makes them racist. You know, it's an interesting fact. There, there are more black, percentage-wise, there's a higher percentage of black police officers in America than there is a percentage of black people in the general population of the United States. So, I'm not going to get into the thing about the L.A. Sheriff's or the Sheriff's Department being allegedly racist or costing taxpayers tens of millions of dollars for glorifying violence. Um, I think that's pretty stupid. How, do, how Since when do officers glorify violence? I'm sure something could be found out there in the annals of the internet, but... Like I said, usually when you hear an actor or actress has fallen into uh, disfavor with people over photographs, it used to be they had you know some kind of uh, sex tape leak. They had you know photos of them doing drugs, and we've gotten so numb to celebrity sex tapes. It's basically a, a genre of the porn industry now. Uh, celebrities who are fading, like uh, Sonny from the WWE, WWF, uh, made a sex tape, or made a porn, well, she made a porno. Sex tape is something that is between you and your significant other that gets leaked accidentally. She just went out and made a porno because she needed the money. And trust me, she is not the Sunny of 1996 to 2000 anymore. But I don't want to rip on Tammy Lynn Sitch. She's got enough problems in her life. I want to rip on people that rip on the police. You know, um, you know, Tim Pool's not a MAGA hat wearer, as he says. He is not a defund the police guy altogether. But when he says stupid things on his uh, show, podcast, whatever you want to call it, about the police are pissing me off because they came into this house after two people told them this is a business and nobody's being murdered inside, that just rubs me the wrong way. You know, now, this is coming from someone, myself, who wanted to be a police officer as a child. I kind of outgrew that dream and wanted to find a nice, easy 
job where I sit on my ass all the time. But uh, don't get pissed off at the police when they go the extra mile to make sure you're not being murdered. You sound kind of stupid when you say that. It's just my opinion. And uh, maybe some way, somehow, some who, we can get back to the days when um, celebrities were controversial for being fucking idiots and not controversial for being nice to police officers. Because if it weren't for the police, there would be nobody keeping the peace. Ask New York. Ask Detroit. San Francisco. Los Angeles. Nanu, Nanu. We'll get something else going here. I want to talk some Raiders football here in a second. So, the Raiders. The... Las Vegas Raiders. Going to say, look, I started to say Los Angeles. At least I had the loss part right. Um, no, because Vegas, Vegas spells it L.A. Vegas spells it L.A.S. Los Angeles spells it L.A.O. So I guess I didn't get it. Whatever. <laughs> so we got a coach controversy here. And I'm so I'm a Raider diehard to the bone since fifth grade. Okay, there were these two incidents in the annals of National Football League history: the Denver Broncos versus the Cleveland Browns in the 1980s. Two of the best teams in the American Football Conference. <coughs> would square off annually, well, at least two years in a row, in the AFC championship game. The first year, I think they were, I don't know where they were playing, to hell with it. Uh, the Brownies had a lead late in the fourth quarter. John Elway drives the Broncos down the field. They score the winning touchdown. Browns lose and go home. The Broncos go on and get blown out in the Super Bowl. That game is known as the drive. The next year, the Broncos are ahead by a couple touch by a touchdown or a few points. Wasn't a touchdown. The Browns are driving down the field. Ernest Biner, one of the great running backs of the 1980s and uh, in Cleveland Browns history. Of course, they have arguably the best player in football history, Jim Brown from the 1960s, uh, as a Cleveland Brownie also. But Ernest Biner for the 1980s was a top-notch running back. And he's also a great human being. In fact, he probably poses for pictures with police officers. I don't know. Uh, but the next year, they're, Ernest Biner's carrying them down the field. He's getting tired. Marty Schottenheimer gives him the ball on the one-yard line. 
my little heart skipping a beat. The Browns are going to win and go to the Super Bowl. No, Ernest Biner is wore out. He's tired. He fumbles on the one-yard line. <clears throat> and the Broncos get the ball back and run out the clock. So, the next day at school, I and some friends decide we're never rooting for the Browns again. I am the only one who kept his word. I have been a Raiders fan ever since. Uh, at the time, they were the Los Angeles Raiders. Then they became the Oakland Raiders again. Now they are the Las Vegas Raiders. They have been rebuilding the team since 2002 when they lost the Super Bowl to their former head coach, John Gruden, uh, probably because they were running his plays. <laughs> And they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But like nonetheless, like I said, it's been a constant rebuilding since then. They've drafted many quarterbacks that were supposed to be the quarterback. They've gone through many, many head coaches. Uh, changing coaches midseason is no big deal to the Raiders. Um... We get to this year, 2021, going into 2022. Uh, they change coaches in the middle of the season because John Gruden is forced to resign by uh, the league pressures uh, from the league over some emails that he sent 10 years ago. So Rich Bisaccia becomes the head coach. They aren't doing so well at first, as the Raiders tend to do lately. They start out hot, win five games, and then lose the majority of the rest of the season. And they end up like eight and eight, or you know, nine and six, nine and seven, something like that. So this year, they turned it around against with Bisaccia. The players were playing for their coach. They wanted their coach to stay. Uh, they said that you know he's the kind of guy that coaches the person first and then the player second. That he really cares about the players. And <clears throat> ever since few weeks ago, month, a couple months ago now, month and a half, whatever, ever since Michigan beat Ohio State and made the college football playoff, the rumor has been that Jim Harbaugh is being considered for NFL coaching jobs. Uh, he's even been calling people and asking them, would you be an assistant if I got a, a job in the NFL and of course the Raiders are a top landing spot for Jim Harbaugh the thing is Jim Harbaugh had a great program at Stanford University um, for the five years that he's coached that team up north 
it's always been, well, uh, you know, he's not winning this year or the first two years because he doesn't have his type of players that fit his offense. Then he had about three years in a row where, okay, this is the year. The best defense in college football. Ohio State puts up, you know, 50 or 60 points on them every year. Last year, Ohio State's coach said, this year we're going to put 100 on them. Well, the, the whole team called off out of, they canceled the game out of COVID fears. Not that the players tested positive for COVID. They were afraid of COVID. So they canceled the Ohio State game, which was basically a backdoor way to screw Ohio State out of the playoffs and out of a 100-point victory. This year, all the pieces fell into place for Jim Harbaugh and that team up north to beat Ohio State. Now, they had a good season all year, not denying that. They beat Ohio State handily. But Ohio State had a mostly freshman offense except their two star wide receivers. Uh, their defense and defensive coordinator were terrible this year. In fact, Ohio State fired the defensive coordinator. But suddenly, John or Jim Harbaugh is the lead candidate to be the coach of the Raiders. Now, he was 44-19 in the NFL previously with the 49ers. He took. He, they went to a Super Bowl with the horrible quarterback Colin Kaepernick, but Harbaugh liked Kaepernick when he saw him play in college. When Harbaugh was at Stanford, they draft Kaepernick. They build an offense around Kaepernick's skill set, and they go on to do good things. No denying that. But how lucky does he get? Jim Harbaugh stepping into just the right situations you know <clears throat> he tried to be like Ohio State at that team up north and go out and recruit uh, players from the south southeast conference skill players because that's the conference in college football everyone wants to beat well, he wasn't getting the top-of-the-line players, so he went back to Michigan's roots and started recruiting Ohio and Michigan players. And finally, he got the right mix. He also hired an entire slate of top offensive and defensive coaches from NFL teams. So he didn't coach this team to the playoff. He didn't coach that team up north into beating Ohio State. His coordinators did all that. And they built the entire team and the entire team philosophy around beating Ohio State. Now, I've made the case against Rich Harbaugh, or Jim Harbaugh. Rich Basaccia is stability in my opinion now the Raiders already fired their 
general manager who made some questionable draft picks in the early rounds. But he also had some great ladder round pickups. as well. Wow. And honestly, I think the Raiders firing Reggie McKenzie as general manager was a mistake too. Because after all, it was Reggie McKenzie that snagged Derek Carr in the fourth round. But, nonetheless, Mike Mayock had some questionable draft picks like Cleland Farrell. When everybody thought that the Raiders were going to pick up this defensive end from Kentucky, uh, Mayock and John Gruden drafted Cleland Farrell, who everyone said had a lot of upside potential, but he hasn't shown it. Now, on yet another hand, he did draft Max Crosby in the later rounds, sixth round, I think. And Max Crosby's become one of the best defensive ends in football. So, do you get rid of Mike Mayock at this point? I think he should have had one more draft or two without John Gruden there interfering. Now, as far as head coaches go, I said Rich Bisaccia is stability. He coaches the person before he coaches the player. He writes handwritten notes and letters to his players, uh, encouraging them in various things. That's a, that's a touch of class. That's classy, in my opinion. Raiders, in Derek's, Derek Carr's eight-year tenure, have gone through about four or five different offensive philosophies <clears throat> and after they got rid of John Gruden and Gruden was on my hot seat because he just wasn't panning out uh, the players talked about how much smoother the offense ran and how quicker the plays came into the huddle without uh, Gruden you know getting them from the offensive coordinator thinking it over and then calling his own play and uh Josh Jacobs, their star running back, who's going to be an even bigger star in this league uh, now that John Gruden's not sending him on sweeps, which he's not a sweep running back. Uh, Josh Jacobs said, you know, the team is much more cohesive without John Gruden and with Rich Bisaccia. Rich Bisaccia has them on the sidelines cheering, the offense cheering on the defense and the defense cheering on the offense. Players jumping off the bench when the, their teammate makes a good play. Things that didn't happen before. Uh, Jacobs pointed out that it's nice to come off the field even if you made a mistake and not have someone screaming at you, you know. Now, Basaccia will scream at the refs. I saw him do that in the last two Raider games. 
the playoff game that they barely lost and the uh, regular season game they barely won to make the playoffs. And it seems to me like the Raiders need stability. They have a cohesive team. I don't feel like going through another 10 years of rebuilding where they trade away all their good players and, okay, now we got this new coach. We're going to build a team that he wants. You've got the team in place. All they need to do is something that Jim Harbaugh won't do, and that is they need to draft one of these big Ohio State wide receivers, either um, Wilson or Olave. I personally prefer Olave, but uh, they need the wide receiver that can take the top off the defense. Uh, they've got a pretty speedy Z uh, Zay Jones. I think his last name's Jones. Most of the time they just call him Zay. Uh, they got him. You know, they brought in Deshaun Jackson, even though he's not the speedster he used to be. He knows how to get open deep down the field. So he's just fast enough in his 14th year. He probably won't be back next year. So the Raiders have to look for a take-the-top-off-the-defense wide receiver. And I think Wilson and Olave from Ohio State can come in and be that player as rookies. But they need to keep the coaching staff together that they have for the players' sake and for the fans' sake because I'm sick of rebuilding. You know, they did this thing with Gruden and Mayock with the offensive line. They'd uh, sign some free agents. They'd draft some guys. They'd uh, get trades, whatever, and get players that were either right in the middle of their career as offensive linemen. Donald Penn, who is later in his career, but still the best uh, left tackle in football. And then they trade those guys away and get a bunch of new young rookies and middle-age uh, players, players in the middle of their careers. And then they do it all over again. John Groom was on coach for three, what, three and a half years? Four years? Four and a half, three and a half, four and a half, whatever. Um, and they did this a couple times in that uh, era. So it's like, like they just traded away the best center. or No, they didn't even trade him. They just released him. The best offensive center in football. And they give Derek Carr uh, a young center who turns into one of the best centers in football this year but not the best. So just hold the team together. They got a, a good young offensive line that was starting to come together, still making too many mental mistakes, but a lot of those mental mistakes were Alex Leatherwood, a rookie. Maybe next year he's not making those mistakes. But what if you have a whole new coaching staff and a whole new coaching philosophy. You know, they've got Tom Cable, one of the best offensive line coaches in football ever. They've got one of the best defensive coordinators in football. 
They've got one of the best defensive line coaches in football, and it's finally starting to come together. They just need like a few more tweaks here and there, and they're going to have a good defense. In fact, at the end of the season, it was the defense carrying the team and keeping them close, and then Derek and the offense would come back or drive down the field in the last couple minutes and win the game. So I really hope the Raiders stay the course with this coach and with this uh, uh, team. I'm sick and tired of rebuilding. I'm sick and tired of taking chances on, you know, different quarterbacks or different things like that. Uh, the only quarterback I would accept for the Raiders right now, other than Derek Carr, would be uh, Aaron Rodgers. And he is going to be a free agent. Derek has one more year on his contract. But I don't want to see Derek Carr, who loves the Raiders and says he wants to win Super Bowls with the Raiders, get traded away because... He's constantly one of the best quarterbacks statistically in football. He's just never had a team around him. Now he's got a triple threat backfield with three running backs that could all start anywhere in the NFL. He's got good young wide receivers. Edwards, um, the guy from Clemson, I can't remember his name now, that it, Renfro, Hunter Renfro, you know, Zay Jones, Darren Waller, arguably the best tight end in football. You know, they just need a, a game-breaking, take-the-top-off-the-defense receiver. They got a lot of guys that can wiggle their way open and make big catches, but they need a, a speed burner that can get down the field in a heartbeat and beat the safety. And you got a Super Bowl caliber team. They just made the playoffs after one of the most controversial seasons any team has ever had. Their head coach resigning in the middle of the season. Two weeks later, their star one of their star players, Henry Ruggs, kills somebody in a car accident. And, and that was the guy who was their take the top off the defense wide receiver. And he was the reason why the offense was doing so much better this year. And, you know, for a while, Derek Carr was leading the league in passes over 20 yards because of Henry Ruggs. And then you take that away in the middle of the season. So the Raiders just need one more key wide receiver that can, has blazing speed and can get down the field. And they got a, a Super Bowl offense. They need a few tweaks on defense, and they got a Super Bowl defense. So they need to stick with Rich Basaccia and this coaching staff they have, uh, and no more rebuilding. They've built. They don't need to trade away their best players anymore, their best wide receiver to, that they traded to Dallas, the best defensive end slash linebacker in football, Khalil Mack. That they traded to the Bears. Yeah, they got a lot of draft picks out of those guys. And they some of those draft picks that were first-round picks aren't even with the team anymore, like Ruggs and Arnett. So 
we'll see what we see, but I hope the Raiders stay the course and Mark Davis doesn't end up another Al Davis and going through coaches and quarterbacks like water off a duck's back. So, God bless y'all. Remember to pray for each other. Until the next time, the next rant and rave. God bless y'all. This is Big John on Americana, the American way. And hug a cop while you're at it.